right, kindergarten parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids, and your host this month. For most children, kindergarten is the year that they begin to learn to read. Many children in preschool learn to recognize their name and a few other words, but kindergarten is when most begin to learn how to translate written letters into the sounds of English, starting with words like pop. If all goes well, your child will be able to read simple three-letter words by the end of the year. Meanwhile, reading aloud continues to be a valuable way for you to draw your child into the delightful world of stories and books. Keep reading to your child as often as you can, and keep looking for books that capture your child's attention. Now is a good time to get your hands on a book that can point you towards high-quality children's literature if you don't already have one. The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trellis and Cindy Georgies is one of the best. I also recommend How to Raise a Reader by Pamela Paul and Maria Russo, and The Read Aloud Family by Sarah McKenzie. In addition, greatschools.org, the website of your local public library, and many other websites provide great book suggestions. Keep in mind that the books you loved best may not be the ones that grab your child's attention. You may have loved If You Give a Mouse a Cookie back in the day, but your child might not be interested. Do your best to bring lots of different kinds of books into your home, from the library, from used bookstores, and swapped with your friends. Maybe your child will love a newly published book like The Wonderful Things You Will Be by Emily Winfield Martin, or a classic that you never read as a child like The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. Now is also a good time to check in on your child's progress learning to read. Your child may in fact be reading simple books already, but they also may not be, and that's perfectly okay. Some children read sooner than others, and, as the reading expert Mark Seidenberg notes, within the preschool to second grade range, the timing of this transition varies and is not strongly predictive of long-term reading outcomes. At the same time, it is important to be aware of whether your child is on track with pre-reading skills, in particular, print knowledge, letters, and phonemic awareness. Your child should understand that print is a way of representing words they know from speech. By the end of this year, they should be able to tell you the names of the letters by sight and put them in order from A to Z. They should also be making progress towards being able to hear phonemes, the distinct sounds in spoken English. They should be able to tell you that at is what's left over when you take the k sound out of the word cat. Towards the end of this year, they should be able to identify whether two single syllable words rhyme and think of a word that rhymes with another. In most schools, they should be beginning their study of phonics, the understanding of how letters produce particular sounds, although in-depth phonics instruction usually doesn't come until first grade. If you're not sure how to assess your child's progress on these benchmarks, or if you're concerned that your child may not be on track, talk to your child's teacher. If your child's teacher is not responsive or doesn't give you clear information, consider giving your child a simple test of phonemic awareness on your own. Reach out to us and we can help you with that. For the rest of our time today, I want to explore another, often underappreciated factor that will have an enormous impact on your child's reading success in the coming years, the breadth and depth of their knowledge about the world. This topic doesn't get much attention from teachers and parents these days. A focus on knowledge can seem a bit old-fashioned, 
the way school used to be. In an age when you can look up facts so easily on Google, many parents are more focused on higher order skills like critical thinking and communication. Well, kindergarten parents, I'm here to tell you that knowledge still matters, and it still matters a lot. Even with all that's changed in the world, a broad and deep base of knowledge encompassing literature, history, geography, science, and art remains extremely valuable. For your child, it's especially true as they're beginning the journey to becoming a proficient reader and writer. To help you understand what I'm talking about, listen to this passage I found in an English-language newspaper published in another country. Mishra bowled beautifully in every game, reminded us of how crucial a quality leg spinner can be in ODIs. Flight, dip, guile, turn, he had it all. Mishra, who will turn 34 next month, owned the VZAG ODI, taking 5 over 18 to skittle New Zealand for 79. His batting and fielding, in particular, were disappointing. Nevermore in Ranchi, where he fumbled the regulation stop and then made a total mess of a catch of Martin Guptill at long off. Got an image of what's going on here? Unless you're a cricket fan, this passage is confusing. It's hard to understand because, like me, you don't have the background knowledge necessary to make sense of it. You don't know what leg spinners or ODIs are. And what's a regulation stop or a long off? Skittling sounds fun, but uh, what is it? Kindergarten parents, your child needs to go through a three-part process to become a good reader. First, your child needs to be able to hear the distinct sounds of English or whatever language they're learning. For example, they need to discern that the word shoot is made up of sh, u, and t. This is called phonemic awareness. Second, they need to learn how letters produce these sounds. That's what we call phonics, and you can learn phonics without paying any attention to meaning. For example, a child might learn how to sound out bandersnatch from a Lewis Carroll poem based on rules about how letters translate to sounds. They won't have to know what this word means in order to sound it out, and that's a lucky thing, too, because this word was invented by Lewis Carroll. It doesn't mean anything. Third, and here's where we get back to knowledge, your child needs to comprehend what they read. This involves translating the sounds that they hear or speak into meaningful images and ideas. Unlike phonemic awareness and phonics, comprehension isn't primarily a skill that you can teach a child. That's because, as we've just seen with our story about cricket, once you can sound out the letters, what enables you to make sense of what you're reading is the background knowledge you bring to the table. What about the argument that students no longer need to learn facts because they can just Google them? The problem with this line of thinking is that looking up stuff takes work, which interrupts the broader project of making sense of what you're reading. In reality, students find text difficult to read if a mere 2% of the words are unfamiliar. So knowledge is critical for reading comprehension. What else do you need it for? Well, it turns out that higher-order skills like critical thinking and problem-solving also very much depend on knowledge. You can't think critically about a subject about which you don't know much, nor can you be a good general problem-solver without a rich and broad store of knowledge. This is true whether you're a firefighter, investment banker, chef, soldier, teacher, journalist, or small business owner. 
The case for knowledge gets even stronger when you consider its impact on people's capacity and desire to learn. Cognitive scientists tell us that the more knowledge a person has, the easier it is for them to acquire yet more knowledge. This is because, as the education journalist Natalie Wexler writes, knowledge, like Velcro, sticks best to other related knowledge. People are more likely to be able to make sense of new information if they can attach it to things they already know. Critical thinking basically means analyzing and evaluating information in order to form a judgment. Prior knowledge is indispensable to critical thinking because when you only have a little bit of information about a topic, you cannot evaluate the importance of new information. What if I asked your opinion about whether it's more important for a cricket team to be great at bowling or fielding? Your opinion is not going to be worth much unless you have a healthy base of knowledge about cricket. Finally, knowledge matters because it is one of the most important drivers of motivation to learn. Knowledge actually increases curiosity. Think about a topic you know quite a bit about, and then consider your level of curiosity and motivation to learn more about that topic. It could be a sport like fishing, a hobby like knitting, or a topic about which you've read a lot. Your rate of learning is typically highest when you're learning new things about a topic where your level of knowledge is already fairly high. That's because your existing knowledge triggers personally meaningful questions that stimulate your desire to learn more. All of this adds up to what the cognitive scientists sometimes call the Matthew effect, a reference to a biblical passage in the book of Matthew that asserts that the rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer. As the cognitive scientist Daniel Willingham has observed, knowledge is not only cumulative, it grows exponentially. Those with a rich base of factual knowledge find it easier to learn more, further widening the knowledge gap. One reason background knowledge accelerates learning is something learning scientists call chunking. Here's a baseball analogy. If you know a bit about baseball, you'll recognize that there's a quick and easy way to describe the situation where there's a runner on first base, the batter hits the ball to the shortstop, who throws the ball to the second baseman, who then throws the ball to the first baseman, and both runners are called out. This is called a double play, and if you know this, you can free your mind from thinking about all those details, and instead spend your time thinking about exactly how double plays work, and what makes them successful or not. This same principle applies to academic subjects like history and science, as well as practical knowledge like how to put out a fire. Chunking makes learning more efficient. So, let's get practical, kindergarten parents. What does this mean for your child's learning and what should you do to support it? It's time to introduce today's Raise Ready Kids strategy, Knowledge Weaving, which involves making strategic choices about what you read to your child to develop their base of knowledge. Your child is always gaining knowledge from conversations and experiences, of course, but reading plays a particularly valuable role in broadening and deepening knowledge. It's especially valuable to your child when you, and eventually they, read literature and nonfiction that conveys knowledge that underpins our culture, what the scholar E.D. Hirsch calls core knowledge. Familiarity with common stories, poems, art, music, sayings, along with basic knowledge about history, science, and mathematics, enables children to understand more of what they read while also bolstering critical thinking and problem-solving skills. You're already conveying important knowledge when you read aloud to your child, and with a little additional effort, you can make your reading even more impactful without sacrificing fun. 
Knowledge weaving basically involves being more intentional and strategic about what you read to your child. Knowledge weaving will help you get the learning flywheel spinning for your child in ways that will reverberate over the rest of their life, as the Matthew effect kicks in to make further learning easier and more rewarding. To help you get oriented, I'm going to suggest you buy or borrow a book called What Your Kindergartner Needs to Know by Edie Hirsch and John Holdren. This book will give you a sense of the range and depth of core knowledge that will help your kindergartner grow their understanding of the world. A professor emeritus at the University of Virginia, Edie Hirsch is perhaps the nation's leading advocate for a knowledge-rich school curriculum in the United States. He and his colleagues have written a whole series of what your kindergartner, first grader, second grader, etc. need to know books. Hirsch knows a thing or two about what makes particular knowledge important and what makes knowledge stick in people's minds. Developed through a collaborative process involving hundreds of scholars and educators, what your kindergartner needs to know includes sections on literature, history, geography, visual arts, music, mathematics, and science. The literature section features stories, poems, and fables, as well as tall tales and sayings. Kindergartners are likely to love the kind of rhythms and stories you'll find in this section. Most of the stories Hearst chooses are classics that reverberate to this day. There are more than a dozen poems like Baba Black Sheep, Humpty Dumpty, and Three Blind Mice. The literature section features several Aesop's fables and tall tales, as well as a collection of common sayings, such as, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The early bird gets the worm. And, Practice makes perfect. The fables and sayings are great conversation starters. Your child is likely to ask lots of questions and want to talk about what they mean. The many stories in the book include The Three Little Pigs, Cinderella, King Midas and the Golden Touch, and How Many Spots Does a Leopard Have? An African Folktale. You may or may not be a fan of the Cinderella story, but it's hard to deny that this story is deeply embedded in our culture. Ever heard a sportscaster refer to the triumph of an underdog team as a Cinderella story? The World History and Geography section discusses oceans and continents, maps and globes, and explains how a compass works. The American History and Geography section discusses the states, the American flag, tells the early history of the country through stories, and briefly introduces four famous presidents. Hirsch has some advice for introducing the difficult topic of slavery. Try to be honest and factual, he writes. The goal in kindergarten is less to explore historical events or ideas in depth than to orient a child to history and to a sense of the distant past, and to plant the seeds of knowledge that will grow in later years. The visual arts and music get plenty of treatment. He includes a selection of paintings, all which include children, and encourage discussion about colors, moods, and messages. The music section includes a selection of classic and folk songs, and suggests ways to introduce your child to rhythm and beat. The mathematics section shows you how to engage your child with number sense, computation, geometry, and measurement through hands-on activities, games, songs, and stories. Finally, the science section explores plants, the weather, animals, the human body, taking care of earth, and magnetism. Kindergartners are fascinated by illustrated books that explain what things are and how they work, by biographies of famous people when they were children, and by books about animals and how they live, Hirsch notes. 
I suggest using what your kindergartner needs to know as one source of material for your read-alouds with your child for the rest of the school year. Try selections from various sections and see what catches your child's attention. Hirsch believes that good stories are the best way to capture the attention of young learners, and he and his co-author have worked hard to make the nonfiction stories about history and science as engaging as the fictional ones. And remember, your child does not actually need to know everything in this book. Even just reading a quarter of the book would be great. All right, time to wrap with a quick recap of today's Rage Ready Kids strategy, Knowledge Weaving. The goal is to help your child develop a broad base of foundational knowledge that will enable them to understand more of what they read and motivate them to want to learn more. Reading aloud plays a critical role in this process, and the book What Your Kindergartner Needs to Know can help you broaden beyond imaginative literature to include history, science, art, and music, mostly in the form of stories. Remember, in the words of the education journalist Natalie Wexler, knowledge is like Velcro. It sticks best to other related knowledge. Your child is more likely to absorb and retain new information if they can relate it to things they already know. So, as you're reading and talking with your child, look for opportunities to make those connections. With your help, your child will come to love the process of growing knowledge, and that love will fuel their quest to learn for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm.